1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile
0: banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are you guys curious what's happening within the Algorand ecosystem? Today, I have the CTO of the Algorand Foundation, John Woods, to talk about Algorand and what they are doing, what they are building, and what their roadmap looks like for 2024. They are empowering a dynamic, inclusive, and borderless global ecosystem based on the Algorand blockchain, which focuses on fast carbon zero secure and decentralized aspects. So be sure to watch the full episode, check out all the links in the description below and enjoy. What's up guys welcome back to another episode of blockhash exploring the blockchain episode 372 uh, today we have john wood cto of the algorand foundation to talk about algorand and the foundation john welcome to the show happy to have you here man how
1: you doing Hey, thank you for having me. Um, absolutely love the production value on your side. Love the sign. It's amazing. Thank you. We're, <laughs> we're heavily invested. <laughs> <laughs> I need to start doing that stuff. Um, so uh, yeah, no, great to be here. Thank you very much for having me and being on uh, a platform like yours allows us to talk about the work we're doing, which is uh, which is my pleasure. Absolutely. Um, before
0: we dive into it, uh, would love to know more about yourself. If you want to share a little bit about your background and sure. what you've done prior uh, to the Algorand Foundation.
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, so um, my background is, I guess my, my university degree is, or college degree is, uh, is in computer engineering. So always being a geeky kid, playing with computers, uh, you know, I guess, um, yeah, just really a computer hobbyist. And and so early jobs, I tended to be a software developer, I uh, worked for Ericsson, built systems in C and C++, which was a great baptism of fire as to what real development is like, because Ericsson have bunches, uh, have huge code bases. Um, then we spent a little bit of time in finance. I worked uh, for City as a forex trader. I worked in London as a derivatives uh, analyst, um, and then I guess. But all the while, I was kind of bu- still building software in the background because it's, it's been my my love since I was a, a you know a, a teenager or whatever, or early teenager. Um, and then I kind of moved uh, into software architecture um, and slowly into applied cryptography over the last kind of decade or so. And so I've worked uh, at the European Central Bank. I worked for the Irish Central Bank, um, and. Most recently, and I guess most pertinent to this uh, this this podcast, I, I worked on Ethereum professionally and, and led software architecture and applied crypto for consensus. Um, I was the chief architect on Cardano um, for a year or so, uh, and I led applied cryptography there. And then more recently, of course, I've taken my role at the Algorand Foundation as the chief technology officer. So my role there, uh, as with any CTO, is, is to set uh, strategy and vision around our tech things, whether that's in-house, stuff like running infrastructure uh, and, and you know, our tech stack, or whether that's broader stuff for the ecosystem around how do we do dev tools or uh, or, what does, or what are, you know, the ecosystem things that we're going to back from a tech point of view. Right.
0: Any um, overlap or differences that you see, you know, previously working with Cardano, Cardano
1: and now working with the Algorand Foundation, anything that's similar or different? I would say it's been invaluable working across different ecosystems. I'd say as well, you know, I would never... I would only take a role in a project that I felt uh, personally compelled by, and so there are there are projects out there that I'm that I I'm, I'm not as interested in, and um, I think having worked for, on Ethereum, which is I think you know by all measures, although it has its caveats in terms of its people will criticize its speed or cost or or, or, or things like that. I think if you look at it objectively, I think it's a pretty incredible technology that they've put together and the team have, have worked on. I loved working on Cardano. It's it's been it's been it's been incredible uh it, it taught me so much and I think when i when I moved to algorand which i also consider of course a, a wonderfully a brilliant project I think having worked across those different uh, uh, ecosystems allows you to approach problems and decisions um in a maybe a more malleable way so uh, I'm less hardline about things and and I try to kind of think hmm what would they do at Cardano here? What, what, what would the Ethereum choice be here? And I think that helps mold better decision making, I think that experience of working across the ecosystem. I'm also kind of just generally uh, not one for kind of maximalism. I mean, sure. there are certain projects I'm extremely passionate about. Algorand is one, uh, Monero is another, Cardano is another, but I don't think it's healthy to have, you know, uh, maximalism about things because it, you know, what you will find in life is that, or not in life, it's a bit philosophical, but what you'll find in, in these cryptocurrencies is the, the the decisions that are made from an architectural point of view or an engineering point of view that yield certain positives like speed or finality or whatever will also have a corresponding maybe a, a side effect that may not be desirable. And so, of course, most of these blockchains are trying to optimize uh, for certain solutions. And I think um, what I'm trying to say is each one of them does many things well. Yeah.
0: I think maximalization, especially in this industry, is a very bad mindset to have, you know, sure. just because there's so many different great things being done in so many different chains. I mean, that's just the truth of it. Um, you know, none of them are perfect, but they're all doing different things. So it's it's better to foster, I think, a multi-chain understanding and sense of things rather than just say one thing is the best and that's it. Everything else is going to disappear. It's not reality.
1: I totally agree. And so um, I would also say that on the other side of things, I probably, I mean, this is, but just to be clear, this is my personal opinion, not the opinion of the Algorand Foundation or anything. But I don't think we're going to see a world where there's thousands of of layer one blockchains that are successful. Um, I think that's unlikely. Um, I suspect just like, because I I liken these blockchains, especially the programmable ones, uh, which of course, Bitcoin, Monero are not programmable. um, But the programmable ones feel to me like... Open source operating systems, where the code is run in a, in a decentralized context rather than just on, on, on your local computer. Um, and so, in many senses, if you look at you know the landscape of operating systems, you, you'll see, of course, there's BSD, there's Unix, there's mm-hmm. Linux, there's macOS, there's Windows. Uh, then there's uh, sm- smaller operating systems that fill niche use cases, embedded operating systems, etc. I suspect it'll emerge something like that on the blockchain side, where we'll probably have five to ten—I'm pulling that number out of the air, but like a smallish number of kind of chains that that end up being long-standing and many of them will come and go otherwise i think um so if algorithm was an operating system which one do you think you'd be so of course everyone wants to probably say this but i like to think that we are the macOS of operating systems and the reason i say that is because um I, I don't necessarily think we're there there yet to be quite honest with you of course i mean, I mean clearly a mac os is 10, is 100x more mature um but like what i'm trying to target or what we're trying to target at the foundation and indeed within the ecosystem is a great user experience for normal people as in you know people um Mm -hmm. and so our users should not even know they're using Algorand, in my view for it to be super successful they should benefit from the virtues it provides the self-sovereignty the decentralization uh the, the the ability to kind of provide like the trustless execution environment but they should at the same time uh, not really even know that they're doing that and not using using the underlying technology. And, and for our developers, it needs to be a fantastic developer experience where it's nearly fun, right? It's like they want to play with they want to 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 design the apps for Algorand. And then finally, um, in terms of the actual protocol itself. So you know the blockchain itself where the code gets gets uploaded as bytecode and, and where, where where you have the um, the applications run, that needs to be as macOS, of course, is, is a BSD Unix variant, it needs to be that Linux level or Mac or, or Unix level of reliability, where the blockchain isn't up and down like a yo-yo, where you can know that it's going to be there, where your transactions are going to get processed, where there is no stalling. And so that's the target, great user experience with the bedrock uh, reliability of something like Linux.
0: Would you say that's also part of maybe what makes Algorand stand out or makes it different?
1: Um. I would say that you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, objectively, Algorand's had no downtime in, in, in the in the number of years that it's been mm-hmm. that it's been in operation, and it's processed over a billion a billion uh, transactions in that time. Um, and so, I think that that's pretty great. I mean, uh, the other thing is, of course, you, you never want to kind of put all your eggs in one basket and say we're the chain that's never had any problems, because software is hard, and decentralized software is even harder. Um, and so, it's not beyond the bounds of possibility, of course, that Algorand sees some some downtime. Uh, as most systems on, on planet earth would see. Um, but I think what's mo- more important is that generally speaking, that it's considered reliable. And so reliability to me, well, there's three kind of things that I optimize for. Uh, security. Okay. Classically, we'd say uh, Bitcoin is extremely secure as an example with the, with the heaviest hash rate, um, but we should be optimizing towards security. Um, scalability, another classic one in, in the blockchain space, but These blockchains, if they're going to be decentralized operating systems, as I'm kind of saying, uh, they need to be able to handle workloads uh, at an international level of of demand. Um, And then reliability. So security, scalability, and reliability. I think Algorand has all three. We can improve, though, in some of these. I think security can be increased in Algorand. And how do we do that? Um, We increase the amount of algo that's staked. Uh, I think, you know, the underlying primitives are are perfectly strong. But, of course, we always want to see the most amount of algo staked. The more algo staked, the more secure the network is. And we're, we're going to get there by doing things like incentivizing consensus so that you get paid to run a consensus node. you get paid to do the staking at the moment you don't get paid. And so this is, I think um, keeping some people out, out of the game because it's only the altruistic folks who are currently involved in staking. Um, you got scalability and we're looking at that. Like we're already at 10,000 TPS, uh, which is strong, right? Visa's visa globally is kind of on a, on a normal day is doing seven to 8,000 TPS. So we're kind of, we're at the races there, but um, You know, scalability has got to be more than just that. It's got to be scalability in terms of not just TPS, but also in terms of decentralization, in terms of peer-to-peer networking. So we're moving to a a peer-to-peer-style network where we won't have relays anymore. So at the moment, Algorand's data flows through relays, like a ring road around a city with the consensus inside. Mm -hmm. We're going to be moving to a peer-to-peer so that the consensus nodes themselves, or participation nodes, as we call them in our documentation, uh, will have this kind of peer-to-peer data transit. Um, But also for things like data availability. I mean, it's got to be easy to get data out of the Algorand node, or to ask your to ask the node something, and so that's that's important too. And then, in terms of reliability, of course, we have a we have a, a, a platinum uh, clean sheet on that. But um, again, how do we maintain that? The answer is very careful decision making around the architectural choices and, and and those type of things. But yeah, there are the things that uh, I think we should we optimize for, and um, hopefully we get there. I think I think it's a very strong choice um, in terms of a platform for people thinking of building enterprise-grade apps that require decentralization. And if I was to look at the opposite side and say what's bad, I would say two things. Number one, our developer tool chain has, has not traditionally been great. But a wonderful computer, if you want to call it a decentralized computer, that's ready to be built on. But the way you program that computer hasn't been great. It's been maybe academically correct uh, and valid, and you can do anything you want to do with it, but like no one has time to write apps in assembly. And that's what we were basically asking people to do. Um, and so we've moved away from that assembly now to a, a truffle like tool. If people will know that from Ethereum, uh, a command line tool that helps you build, test and deploy super easy. Uh, and then of course our upcoming change, uh, to make the canonical language of the smart contract platform, uh, to be Python, which is of course. Cheap to, to build cheap, to maintain uh, lots of people understand it. It's very simple. Um, and so this. I think is going to see uh, a huge influx uh, for Algorand. Um, so that's one thing that wasn't great, dev tooling. We're changing it to be great. The second uh, thing that's not been so great uh, after the dev tools, which we we think we have an answer to now, is awareness. And so Algorand has just not really ha- been in the zeitgeist. If you go on Twitter and you, you, you look at what people are kind of saying, which platform do you prefer? It's always like Solana, Cardano, Ethereum. W- we don't seem to be at the at the the, on people's lips. And so we're changing that. We've got a totally new strategy around how we're going to try to grow grassroots uh, awareness, both inside like the Algorand ecosystem where people are already kind of aware uh, where of course we want to keep those users informed, but also critically outside of the Algorand ecosystem. And even being on on shows like like this, uh, it helps us to try to build awareness that hey, you know, we've got, I think, a very cool project over here that has a lot of that's really quite viable. Um, if, if you're if you're thinking about building on blockchain, then maybe you want to check it out because it's got some smart people working on it.
0: In regards to Python, is that something that you guys are switching to relatively soon, like here in 2023 or into next year? What's the timeline kind of look like that for devs?
1: Yeah, so um we're gonna have a developer preview available for so for Python, we're gonna have a developer preview available this month. Um the guys are telling me it might be early December, so it might be the first week of December. But like within the next thirty days, we should have a developer preview available. And so we're saying, hey, don't use this for production code, um, but you know, it's there if you want to play with it, pull it apart, see what you think. Okay, and then for cool. the full release, where we're bringing more than just than well, I said just Python, it's huge. But we're bringing more than Python. We're bringing a bunch of bells and whistles around test and debug and other things um, to extend further the work we've done with AlgoKit, which is what we've called our tool suite um it's on version like 1.6 now we're going to be moving it to 2.0 and 2.0 drops in february and 2024 so about three months away we have the full release with everything and things out of beta and we have this developer preview uh this this month or early next month for, for for python the other question i had
0: was on staking you know how you guys um you know really trying to push for that to get more people
1: to stake within the ecosystem what's the key to that I'll just quickly kind of mention Algorand has about 10 billion uh, algo tokens. And mm-hmm. of course, some of them will be lost because people have lost their keys uh, as with any any any, any cryptocurrency. Um, but at a, at a total, it's, it's 10 billion. In reality, it's less than that now. And so the more of that that is staked, it, if all of it is staked, then the network is 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 not defraudable because, um, you know, you, you can basically you can't uh, attack a network where all the stakers are are honest. OK, it becomes it becomes uh, completely secure. And so at the moment we have about 15, we see about 15 to 20% of this of the total supply being staked at any one time. And so really we want to try to push those numbers up. I mean, it's, it's still a a ton of algo. It's billions of algo, but like the more, the better. And so I'd like to see those numbers around 30 to 40% of the supply. I don't expect of course that everyone will stake. Um, And so how do we achieve that? So right now, you know, one of the magic pieces of Algorand um, is the consensus algorithm. And so, it uses a cryptographic primitive known as the VRF. And um, think of this thing like, you know, if I said a cryptographic primitive, what, what are other examples that people will know? Well, encryption is a thing. You can encrypt and decrypt things. That's a primitive. Digitally signing something, that's a primitive. You can digitally sign something and verify it. And then this VRF is another one that falls in. It's like another It's another Lego brick in the cryptographic toolbox. And it's very powerful because what it lets us do is it lets us select someone from the sea of people who are out there staking. Randomly, so probabilistically, based on the amount of stake that they have, we can kind of, weighted by the probability of their stake, the more stake, the more likely that they are to be picked, the less stake, the less likely, but still, anyone could be picked. And no one can predict ahead of time who is going to be picked next. So this is important from a security point of view, so you can't just go and attack the next person who's going to be producing a block. And so we have this wonderful VRF. It's it's a super smart uh, mathematical and cryptographic primitive. It allows us to select someone from the sea of, of of stakers. It allows us to select someone else to validate what the blocks that have been proposed, and ultimately, it allows the entire consensus process to go take a block, propose some transactions in it, validate the transactions, and add it to the blockchain um, in in three seconds flat. And to do so in a way, and this is one of Algorand's kind of like uh, uh, you know most most impressive features. It does so in a way that there's never any short forks in the blockchain. Uh, 100% of the of the nodes will agree uh, on on each block as it's added to the chain there's never a short fork or a block height battle um as you might see on ethereum or, or other chains and so what this means is that we have instant finality you don't have to wait for confirmations super cool um this also means that the node requirements, or the computer requirements, I should say, to execute consensus are actually quite low. So this VRF, like running this VRF is very, very, it's very elegant, uh, primitive. It doesn't take many cycles. It's not going to heat your computer up. And so you can kind of run Algorand consensus on a Raspberry Pi. You need to have 8 gigabytes of RAM, but you can run it on a Raspberry Pi. Um, you can indeed certainly run it on a on a regular old uh, you know Intel or, or Apple Silicon device, or AMD device, or ARM device. So it doesn't take much to run this thing so why aren't we seeing more people stake i think that the answer is you know we're not incentivizing it so on bitcoin cardano etc people get rewarded for producing blocks or delegating their stake that's not the current that's not the case currently with algorand and so we rely upon the altruistic behavior of holders to basically get off their butts and turn on a computer and start staking their algo um, for the good of the network and so although that that may theoretically, uh, you know, sound good. I think uh, empirically we've noticed that that doesn't seem to be, there's too much friction for a person who has to understand what the node is, have the, the capability to download the software, set it up, run it. That's too much. And then leave the computer on permanently. It's just, we're not seeing people do it. So what we're going to do is we're going to move um, over the course of the next year to an, an incentivized consensus model. And people can see this. There's, if you go to GitHub, if you go to the algorithm on GitHub, um, it's been openly discussed and openly developed. Um, and I'm also going. we're going to be releasing a paper on this, uh, like a 10-pager that's going to describe how this stuff is going to work in, in more simple language soon. Um, but this is going to be a tectonic shift in terms of Algorand's philosophical uh, ethos, its economic approach. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be paying people to produce blocks. They're going to get paid from a pool of funds that will exponentially decay. And eventually, it'll be paid from fees. And so this hopefully will be a plan that turns Algorand into a secure, robust, scalable, uh, and most importantly, sustainable blockchain that is run on the economic model of the fees eventually.
0: What are some things that you guys are excited about within the Algorand ecosystem? It could be applications being built, use cases, it could be um, you know, wh- whatever, you know, in particular, I'm just kind of curious, you know, to give people an idea, you know, what some things are that are happening. Um, on chain that you know people can look forward to trying out and applying to everyday life
1: sure I think the real world assets category is one that we're seeing a lot of uh, use in Um, this month we've seen kind of like our high I think it was high I I don't want to quote misquote but I think the highest ever volume we've seen in in, in terms of that category and so this is like you know tokenization of plane tickets tokenization of houses this kind of stuff Um, and that's very exciting I I am my general ethos is this: I don't like to, th- I don't like to pigeonhole, and I felt the same when I was working at Cardano. By the way, I don't like to pigeonhole uh, blockchains into having specific use cases mm-hmm. um, too tightly. As in, I don't like this idea that okay, we're the gaming chain or we're the sports chain or whatever. I think you should be trying to uh, build the chain to be as agnostic to the to, to the application as possible. Because if you look at what we deliver, we're delivering a, a platform that can execute arbitrary code in a decentralized context, yeah. Um, but but the languages that we provide people, so whether it's Teal or Python, as we're, we're, we're gonna roll out, or indeed uh, Haskell on, on Plutus, or, or sorry, Plutus slash Haskell on Cardano, these languages are true and complete. They allow you to express any type of business logic you wish. So I, I I think blockchain developers of major chains like Algorand should be focused on making it like a, the Linux or Mac OS of, of blockchains so that it, it can run any any type of application. Um, and in terms of things where I'm excited about, I think consensus, uh, sorry, consensus incentivization is certainly one, um, the release of AlgoKit 2.0, because it it, quite literally it was only a year ago that we were, were getting, we were asking people to build teal based apps, like assembly level language. If, if your, if your users or if your, uh, viewers are familiar with this very, very low level, you know, horrible to, to use. And that was the only way to build apps on Algorand one year later. We have a developer experience which is similar to like Node JS or similar to um, to uh, you know Rust with Cargo, where you can just do Cargo in it. and you'll be able to do AlgoKit it, and it will just set up your project. AlgoKit build and it will just build your project. AlgoKit deploy it will deploy it to the test net or the main net. Uh, we've got CI CD support in there for continuous integration and and, and delivery or deployment. Um, we have really robust test suites and very soon um, we're going to be having you know this month or or early next month we'll have the ability to express your business intent in python so super excited about that it's been transformational um quite literally um because users may be excited about holding a token because they're speculating on it or whatever but if a blockchain is really a platform for execution of apps and you don't have an app store full of apps or you don't have a platform full of apps you've blown it and so we really need to make sure that we make it as easy as possible for devs to be able to bring their vision to the platform and that it's without friction. Previously, if a developer is on Ethereum, they look at Algorand, and think, oh, that's cool. I might try it out. When they when they hear they have to learn Teal, they're like, ugh, whatever. Now they'll come, they'll be able to kind of go, okay, yeah, Python, I can probably muster through that on my own. Um, and then finally, I would just say that this, you know, one other thing I'm, I'm really excited about and I think is meaningful is our move from um, are moved from a relay-based network to a peer-to-peer-based network. And so you're always trying to balance speed and the transactions per second and all this kind of stuff um, with, with your engineering choices. But ultimately, if you build software like Algorand, there's only the, the only reason people build on these decentralized networks is because they benefit from the from the decentralization, the self-sovereignty, and and I guess the um the disintermediation that these platforms bring. And if the platforms have caveats where they could be improved in terms of decentralization. I think that that's something that you should optimize for because ultimately application builds on blockchain are more complicated than application builds off blockchain. And so we're asking people to take to 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 use these technologies because they bring a certain a certain level of veracity around the, around around the uh, product. But we've got to make sure that we are making good on that uh, in terms of the actual network topology. Don't just say it's decentralized, it's got to be decentralized. And so the move from, we have at the moment about 110 relays, and they're run by 20 companies or 25 companies. So it is functionally decentralized. But better than that is where the data can move from consensus node or participation node, as we call it, uh, to participation node directly. And so it doesn't rely on any uh, relay node or, or middleman. And so that's something that I'm, I, I'm very much, uh, I very much care about and we're very excited for very nice a question
0: i get very often from a lot of people um doesn't apply specifically to algorand but it does apply to algorand and i think you know most major chains um is there's a lack of applications for whatever reason that work or that are applicable to mobile devices and a lot of this stuff is developed and usable for for a laptop desktop um but there's just a lack of I, i think development for for your mobile phone, you know, what most people have access to and have access to the internet with, um, you know, whether it's an application uh, like a Dex or there's wallets, but I mean like being able to trade better, being able to get loans better, being able to play games, being able to do all these things without, you know, actually having to have a laptop. Um, I think it holds back a lot of Web3 in general, just kind of curious. Um, you know, is that something you guys are also tackling at Algorand, you know, trying to build more application specific, uh, things for mobile?
1: Sure. I think mobile is super important, by the way, you know, I'm a big fan. I've just got my new iPhone, big fan of this. Uh, I I love my mobile phone. And so I use it more than I use my desktop or my laptop. I know what you, what you say is true. Let's think about it for a second, right? When you, Blockchains are run, of course, on regular computers, not not cell phones, because of the fact that they require lots of data in and out, and they they obviously require permanent power supply. So typically, they're run on desktop level computers, the nodes that make up the blockchain. And so, what is an app on a blockchain or a dApp, as some people call it, a decentralized app? It's of it's of course like a piece of compiled code, whether it's on Ethereum or it's on Cardano as, as, as Plutus interpreted, or whether it's on Algorand as the as as ABM bytecode. It's a piece of compiled code that get that gets put on the chain. And so what's interesting here is we have done all this decentralization. we built this decentralized network. Someone's written code. We've compiled the code. It now exists on all these decentralized computers all over the all over the world on each one of the blockchains. And then the way you go and interact with it is by going to a website hosted on Amazon, probably. And so that irony is not lost on me. Um, of course, what one could do is go into a terminal, form a transaction manually, and then ping it off on, into the internet. And, of course, you could have a decentralized interaction point with, with these with these blockchains. But people don't do that. They tend to use websites, and so that's fine. Once once you know that the website is is well run, it doesn't take very much to bring that web front end from a traditional web two front end down to the mobile device. All you need to do is make sure that your web two front end that your that users currently use has the right API hooks uh, for your for your iOS or Android client to be able to talk to. Or indeed, you you could at the this probably wouldn't be very very elegant approach, but you could have. The, the node uh you know ru- sorry the phone run a node or indeed have the, the phone point directly at a node that's hosted in your backend and and do all of the transaction orchestration right on your phone and so there's nothing stopping this but for whatever reason i think it's an extra layer of complexity that that most projects haven't haven't gotten to to solve yet um, in terms of algo kit we had nothing uh, prior to algo kit that helped you on the front end now with algo kit i think it was 1.5 or so we brought react so we took the course, the frameworks that are already there. I'm not going to start my own UI framework. But um, we took Re- React. And now, uh, within the AlgoKit uh, tool suite, you're able to actually build a React-based uh, web front end. And so, absolutely, we're thinking about how we could optimize that for mobile. Particularly, we hear from folks um, in Africa uh, quite a lot, I think, um, and South Africa and, and, um, and parts of Asia, where mobile phones are some home, homes only have cell phones they only have smartphones they don't have a desktop computer and so particularly those regions have asked me that question i've been asked that question quite a lot um and so yeah i think it's something that has high value something we should do something we're not doing yet but something that we're aware of and is on the roadmap. but i guess maybe just to come back to the description i gave yeah the jump from the current you know the current website style ui down to a mobile phone is actually not that big it's not it's not a big gap to bridge
0: yeah, I feel like it's it's one of those gaps that will be the most important to bridge at some point. I mean, I live down here in Latin America, in Colombia, sure. so I hear it all the time. You know and more people have mobile devices than they do laptops or anything else, iPads, anything. Sure. Everything's about the smartphone. Um, so I feel like you know in places like Latin America, Africa, Southeast Asia, many places in the world where I think that the mobile phone is more dominant. Um, you know, that just hasn't been tapped into in the web industry. Web three industry, I think, is
1: much as it can be. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and by the way, absolutely, we have we have folks in, in Africa that work for the foundation, um, and we, we hear it directly from them. It's a cultural thing. In many of these countries, they just they just don't do desktop computing. Um, I think I think as well, it comes down to the user experience. You want to you want to make it easy. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything we do at the foundation can be well on the tech side. Um, is boils down to making the user experience better. You know, um, whether we're we're pushing open source libraries to be changed, whether we're integrating MetaMask, whether we're building things like AlgoKit, whether we're um, I'm talking to the hiring DevRel people to, to to work with these projects. It all boils down to making it easier for the end user, easier for the developer, so that people slide into Algorand because they're because it's easy to be here. Um, if they have to climb over a gate to get in, they're not going to do it. Another question before we start wrapping up the
0: sure. the episode and everything. We kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but I want to kind of come back to it because I do think it's important and it's the idea of a multi-chain ecosystem. Um, We know maximalism is something that is, in my opinion, at least I think it's detrimental. I don't think people should be all locked in on one idea. Um, And I think most of the ecosystem, most of Web3 understands that. Um, You know, maybe we can separate the Bitcoin maximalist. That's maybe just a different thing. It's hard not to be sometimes. Um, but. You know, being able to work cross-chain, have interoperability to share asset ecosystems, benefits in different places, I think is really helpful. Just curious where Algorand's mindset is in terms of interoperability, multi-chain, and working with other ecosystems in
1: areas where maybe it's beneficial. Sure, Um, we are deeply focused and deeply care about interop. Uh, I think it's essential. I'm gonna give some tangible examples of how, how, how we actually are rather than just say it in a second. Just like I mentioned earlier, and again, you know, I keep maybe banging on about this, but this idea that these up op- these blockchains are like uh, open source, or sorry, decentralized operating open source and decentralized operating systems. Um, you know, when you're interacting with someone, when you're playing uh, the finals, which is a new game that I found, which is pretty great, or when you're no, no matter what you're playing, what video game you're playing, or even if you're editing a Google Doc, right? You don't know whether the person on the other side that's editing the doc at the same time is is on a Mac, Linux, uh, or, or or Windows computer and you don't care and so that's where we have to get to these blockchains the various ones i mean some of them are so great at certain things like monero is particularly good at privacy before that there's lots of consequences in their architectural design so it's never going to be a smart contracts platform okay so that's kind of something a choice that they that, that, that blockchain has made mm-hmm. but generally for the programmable chains the cardanos the ethereum's the Algorands, uh the solanas these chains uh, are silos of Value silos, silos of, of network, silos of interaction—you know, of human, of human social interaction—and so they need to be very much bridged, just like liquidity gets bridged between dark pools. And so I, I think it's very important that uh, that the liquidity can flow between these uh, various various um, platforms, because some of them are going to be good at some things, and others are going to be good at others. So you might look at Cardano and say, well, there are times when a UTXO-based programming model. Can yield an application which really sings on Cardano that maybe doesn't work as well in an account-based model, that say Ethereum or Algorand, and vice versa. you to say, well, certainly, you know, for swaps, maybe for example, an account-based programming model is much easier to implement swaps or or, or whatever than than say a UTXO-based model. And so, being able to bridge these transactions and bridge the liquidity, I think, is absolutely essential. Um, I would go so far as to say, one of the things I think is killing Interop. Is competing standards, and so there's lots of examples I can give. But like, Algorand has state proofs, and they're kind of like uh, a way to prove the state of the chain in a very succinct mathematical proof that's about four megabytes, and uh, it's quite sexy because it's it's it's, it's post quantum. It uses post quantum cryptography and a whole bunch of of exciting m- modern mathematics. We use that, but I go to Layer Zero, and they have a different way to do it. I go to Chainlink, and they have uh, their own tech to do it. I look at Cardano, and they have Mithril, um, and so. We're being, we're drowning in standards and we have to like, I think Bitcoin did a reasonably good job on this around the, bit you know, 44, et cetera. They managed to kind of get a standard that's generally used. And so even if it means that Algorand has to adopt someone else's standard and we go with, I don't know, layer zero standard, or we go with chain link standard, I don't like proprietary, but let's just say we go with some mm-hmm. open standard. I think that's worth doing. It's worth doing to, for, to, for the sake of the interoperability, Uh, Even if even if it means that the standard that we use is someone else's stack, I would prefer the liquidity is mobile between these chains and that we benefit from that more than I care that our technology is the dominant uh, technology in terms of the interoperable primitive, even if I think mathematically, okay, this is very, very sexy or this is this is very interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think we should work together as an industry. I would like to think that, like, we could, you know, you know, leaders, if I can say that across these various blockchains, because, of course, they're they're open, so everyone can be a leader. Um, could sit down and have a and have a committee: Cardano, the Ethereum's, etc., um, the Solanas, the Avalanches, and, and basically form on a standard. A- as an example of where we're on our side, eliminating some of the the interrupt uh, friction, Algorand uses twenty at the moment twenty five words to represent the two hundred fifty six bit private key that we use for the for each account. And so Bitcoin and Ethereum use twenty four words. Um, and so what we're doing is we're trying to adopt we use a different elliptic curve to, to bitcoin and a three so they use this uh, uh secpk1256 and we're using uh edwards 25519 and so what we're doing is we're, we're trying to find a way to align uh key derivation so using hierarchical key derivation uh bit 44 bit 31 i think um or 32 i can't remember um we're trying to align to that standard but do so in a way that works with the elliptic curve that we use so we've kind of very recently started pushing a standard, which is uh, BIP44 plus uh, 825519 uh, key derivation. So we're, we're kind of saying, well, we're going to change. We're going to change at Algorand because we want to be part of the party. We want ledger seeds to work easy peasy. We want the wallets that are on Ethereum, like Metamask, just to be able to work. We want people who have seeds on Bitcoin to be able to use those seeds on on Algorand. And so we're changing the way we do wallets and standardizing it so that we are more interoperable. So it, it is very much something that we care about. Very cool. Um, what are some things
0: on your guys' roadmap for the Algorand Foundation for 2024 or just for Algorand's
1: ecosystem in general that you guys are looking forward to? Yeah, so beyond the, the peer-to-peer, the consensus incentives, and of course uh, the Python release for our smart contract language, it really comes down to uh, building awareness. And so it's about grassroots movement for us it's you know being on every podcast we possibly can come on uh it's uh, spreading the the word uh, that algorand is uh is an incredible platform in which to build um and growing the user base at this point i think you know we the 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 ingredients are good you know we've got nearly a perfect storm we've got a strong protocol uh very you know very robust very secure we've got a great developer experience and the only thing that's missing is nearly like the cult of algorand so i'm trying to I'm trying to be the high priest of that. <laughs> I'm trying to trying to grow that. I mean, of course, we have a diverse strategy across the various sections at the foundation. So we have a, a strategy for community around how they're going to kind of embrace community, support community, uh, give community love and support the projects that are there. We have BD, so we have a whole business development strategy around um, how we're going to have grassroots, authentic, not partnerships, but authentic kind of relationships with people and companies that are out there to try to uh, uh, Encourage them to build on Algorand, which is easier than it's ever been before. Um, but also, you know, from my point of view, just as an evangelist for the platform, um, it's just about breaking out of the bubble and doing, you know, shows like this, right? You've got an incredible show, incredible following. I know how popular you guys are, but not really one that's, I would say, within the Algorand ecosystem. It's it's one that's that's certainly outside of that, and, and you are cross-chain. And so, and so really value the opportunity to speak with you and, and with your users or sorry, with your viewers. Um, And just try to, you know, bring that awareness. And, and again, it's not about trying to encourage people to go and buy algo uh, or trying to, you know, spread more tribalism and as in drop your cryptocurrency and come and use this one instead, because that's bullshit. Um, What it is instead is about, Hey, you know, here's a platform on which you can build. If you want to build an app that benefits from execution of code in a decentralized context. Um, and if you want to try to use it, because we think we've built something pretty cool as a platform, it's pretty fast and it's pretty good to, good fun to use. Um, we have a very inclusive language you can use and we have a DevRel team who are there to support you. And maybe, you know, check it out because, as you just said, I think uh, the future is going to be multi-chain. Um, and I want people to have access to the liquidity on our platform and I want to have access to the liquidity on theirs
0: where can people go to find uh this cult of algorand that you're trying to build uh maybe like a
1: discord telegram where's the community sure so we have a devrel a devrel discord if you just type in uh, algorand uh, devrel uh discord it comes straight up on, on google but you can come to algorand.foundation uh which is our our website so https colon slash algorand.foundation uh there's also algorand.com um we have our developer portal um and then finally if you want to if you have any questions. And this is my, my favorite, uh, probably the simplest way. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at John Allen Woods. So that's J-O-H-N-A-L-A-N-W-O-O-D-S. And if you come on Twitter, uh, you can DM me. Uh, I will respond. We'll set up time to talk. If anyone's interested in learning more, um, at John Allen Woods on Twitter. Awesome, John. This has been fantastic.
0: Um, really happy that you were able to you know, take the time to come on and talk about what you guys are doing with Algorand at the foundation. Um, very optimistic about what you guys are going to do here in the near future. I do think you guys have an amazing ecosystem and, um, I'm very excited to see it, you know, really flourish and come into fruition. So keep up the great work, man. Thank you so much, man. And thanks for having me on.